0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Inner Fight Podcast. My name is Marcus Smith. I'm the host of the show, and I look forward to spending the next 30 to 40 minutes with you. Hope you've had a fantastic week, and I hope you're ready to join me on what is probably a little bit of a journey of trying to debunk how, as the title suggests, we identify where our weaknesses are coming from. This topic was actually it's one of the reasons why you should go for a run because this topic was the a question that someone asked me the title was not the question but it was a question that someone asked me during a run actually when I was in Australia and we had a really interesting chat about it I then went home I made a load of notes and I was looking at those notes just a few weeks ago and I thought perhaps that will make an interesting podcast as you'll hear in the show we kind of got it down to two different silos where our weakness comes from. And that's really what I base this show today off. I'm going to incorporate some practical examples, some which may resonate with you. Hopefully they do. Some might not. But I think that the examples that I use, you could almost plug in any sort of situation or example or many different situations or examples, and hopefully you will get some some kind of learning from this show. So without further ado, let's jump into it. This week's show announcements, yes, if you're watching the video version, I am in a different location again. I took the opportunity to hop over to the UK on Monday and surprise my mum. I actually told her that I'd arranged a delivery for my dad that was gonna be coming to the house for her between three and five, and I rang the doorbell at about 20 past three. Prior to that, she'd actually sent me a message complaining that she wanted to go out, and I told her to hang on, I'll be there soon. So I'm in the UK this week, until one of the big announcements, this weekend is Amsterdam Marathon. We have, I'm not sure of the number, some people have joined, some people have dropped out, some people that originally were going to come and now no longer coming, and there have been some people, as I said, that have joined some late entries to Amsterdam Marathon. This weekend, it is set to be quite the race. Right now as I record these show announcements it's forecasted to be just over 10 degrees and rainy. So those that have trained in Dubai over the summer will be in for an amazing race. They'll feel so much better, fresher and enjoy that. So that's where we will be this weekend but before we get to that let's just reflect quickly on last weekend. Our first race for our Is it a ladies cycling team, ladies cycling group? They've been training all through summer and they entered their first race on the weekend, last Saturday, Siobhan, Jess, Carla, and Boz, and Boz managed to, the team managed to get Boz into fourth position in her first cycling race, which is absolutely awesome. Also going on last weekend, we remembered our friend Roy Nasser in the Roy Nasser Memorial Triathlon. Thank you to everyone that was down there and everyone that raced. On the CrossFit side, it was the Precision Games. We had over seven teams down there and I think equal or a bigger number of supporters down at the Precision Games last weekend. Stay tuned or go over to the blog and have a look at the Fight way and have a look at the report from that. Some amazing results. And also stay tuned, the Turf Games Is coming and if you're around this weekend in Dubai and you want to see those guys training 11 a.m. down at the gym you can check them out just go and support them if you want to jump in with them let Andy know it is going to be a hell of an event it is on I believe the 11th of November I'll come with the announcements for that when it's the time of the announcements for that obviously another big event last weekend was the Dubai Harbour Run where I think we had over 30 people running all age categories And all sections of the community were represented there. Ladies Run Club, Endurance, some guys from the mainline class. It was absolutely brilliant. So lots going on last weekend. There's lots going on pretty much all the time at the moment. And to get involved in, if you are in Dubai and you want to get involved in something, either on the Endurance side or on the Fitness side, give us a shout. That's it for this week's announcements. Let's get into the show. This is episode Number 846 of the Inner Fight Podcast, identifying weakness. Welcome back to another episode of the Inner Fight Podcast. Those of you that are watching the video version, I thank you for doing so. And you will notice I have a slightly new setup. I'm trying different things. Yes, I have. I've just realized actually on the video version that in the background you can see. Arnold Schwarzenegger's book. You can see loads of my books. I've got my bookcase behind me and also the broken cycling wheel from my crash, which still sits up there. Hopefully you like my book collection if you're watching it, but hopefully you like my words more and then you'll focus on that. Anyway, we have a slightly new podcast set up, hopefully to get, there's a lot of hopefully's so far in the show, to get a little bit more out of the show and when we bring guests in as well, it's going to be lovely. So if you don't watch the show, that's okay. And if you do watch the show on YouTube, you can still watch the show on YouTube at one and a half speed, by the way, or two speed, two times speed, 1.75, you can do all of that. Uh, Be careful if you're watching it when you're driving. I don't think that's Great. great. So where does this one come from? Identifying weakness. Well, it comes, as I was saying in the introduction, from a question that a lady asked me during a run that I was having in Australia, which also... It gave me two ideas for a show. One, the importance of running with people, running slowly, running and chatting, which generally is what we'd call a coffee run, and that's going to be another show as well. But this one was the case that I was given was this lady had been working with a young athlete, and it got to a certain stage in the race where the athlete was no longer able to perform. Very talented young athlete, but was no longer able to perform at the required effort levels run. I'm I'm trying to sort of depersonalize it a little bit because I don't want it to be all about running, but it's, it is a great example. And I'll, I'll try and bring in another example as well, or a couple of other examples as well. But she got to a certain point in the race and she was no longer able to hold the pace to really let all the talent that she had or that the coaches believe she had come to fruition. So this lady asked me, how would I go about fixing that particular scenario and sometimes we know it in running as the final kick so if you take a 1500 meter race or a 3k race you'd see in the last 400 meters or 200 meters and, and into the final straight you'd see the athletes have what's been known as a really really strong kick and this junior athlete that the lady was working with just seemed to not be able to have that kick and so somewhere along the chain there's a weakness and what we're trying to do here is identify where that weakness comes from because if we understand where that weakness comes from then we can hopefully start to address it because generally this happens and it doesn't have to be in a running race it could be in a piece of work you're doing you get a long way through the piece of work and you just can't finish it. There's something not quite right within you that slows you down a little bit or puts you off track. And it's not the two ways that I'm going to split this up and not super applicable to the, to the work environment, but there is still a lot you could take from it. And a lot of the time when, when this stuff happens, we kind of go home and we ask ourselves a lot of different questions and we want answers, we want to look for, we want it to be closed as soon as possible. We look for these answers and we keep on looking and the more we look, we can't really figure out what's going on. Like why was, why was I able to work on a piece of work for a number of months and then suddenly I'm not able to work on it anymore? Or how come I'm able to run and I feel good, I have enough energy, I have enough fuel, but suddenly when I need a kick, in the last 100 meters, the last 400 meters, or if I'm running a marathon, I need a little bit of something in the last 5k, I don't have it. I split this really into two areas. When it comes to athletic performance, be it in the gym, be it outside of the gym, running, riding, swimming, no matter what your pursuit, there's two different areas that we need to target, which sound quite straightforward, but I ask the questions, what is happening physically, and also what is happening mentally. So the clues could be very prevalent as to what's happening in either area, or they could be very hidden. For some people, it could be purely a physical restraint that's on them. Maybe they've simply not fueled in the right way. Maybe they've run out of gas. For other people, it could be mental. And there's been some quite interesting... I haven't got the studies to hand, so please don't quote me on them, but there's been various studies done. You can have a look through Dr. Google or chat GPT about it of athletes that are trained exactly the same, uh, hit exactly the same numbers, have the same power output, same speed and same fueling. But when it comes to a race, one athlete does a little bit better And in those situations, they often put it down to the mindset of one athlete over another. Maybe sometimes it's belief, maybe sometimes it's a mental blockage, what's going on. So essentially, with athletic performance, we can often bring things down to mental or physical blockage. For something that happens in the workplace, often it is a little bit harder because for the most part, it's a mental blockage, but that mental blockage, could also come from a physical blockage due to physical fatigue, which is a little bit more complex. I might jump into that in a minute. But what I will do to start with is, when we're looking, I'll stay within the physical realms. And if we're looking at running or working out, physiological issues that we might be facing are things like pacing. So did I get the pacing in the workout right? Did I start out too hot? Did I start out too slow? did I had to catch up later? Did I get a little bit carried away a few minutes into a 1,200 metre? So three laps of the track, They get a little bit carried away in the second lap? I went too fast, I burnt all my matches and then I'm not able to kick in the final bit. Same in a workout, if it's five rounds for time in the gym. First two rounds, I was pretty good. Then I realised I've got quite a lot of energy and then I just expended it all in the third and fourth and the fifth round took me the same amount of time as the second and third round combined. Something like that. So, it could be a pacing issue on a number of different sort of levels. Go out too hot, try and finish too hard, leave too much for the end, which is holding you back from the potential. Second thing, which people, I think we see it a little bit more in CrossFit. We don't see it quite as much, or we see it a lot in endurance sports, but we don't see it as the low-lying fruit, as things that we could quite easily fix. But what do I look like physically? Where is is my form starting to break down? We see this quite a lot in for example, if a CrossFit workout was five rounds for time, 15 pull-ups, 20 air squats, we might see a breakdown in the pull-ups. They just we just do not have the strength, the capacity to keep working them. So maybe we do the first two sets and we'll be able to do 15 reps unbroken but then the third fourth and fifth round we're unable to do that so that's quite an easy win that we're like okay this is when our pull-ups broke down we need to go and do we need to go and build some more capacity in that area in running we should look for it, and the signs are, and also a little bit in cycling or in, in, in a number of different sports, we want to have a look at what is happening in the form. Same as we'd realized that very fast in CrossFit, what is actually happening to the person? Is there, are we starting to see anything different happening as their foot hits the ground in, in, in running are we to see something different in their stroke in swimming are we starting to see something different in the shoulders as people would ride a bike and you could take this to any different sport so trying to have a look at in the sport of perhaps some video content at the start of how the athlete looks and what perfect form is at the start and seeing where that form is breaking down in pretty much all sports what we generally see as form breaks down is a little bit of the head starts to drop forward, our shoulders start to drop forward. And what that's doing is bringing the weight forward, which is also creating a little bit more pressure into the lungs and to the heart. So we're probably unable to get as much oxygen in. So a simple cue, For that could be to keep your shoulders back, to keep your head up, to stay tall when you're running might actually be all that an athlete needs to prevent them from slowing down in that final part. So there's a number of different sort of form parts. We might see someone's feet, their foot position, their strike, heel, they might start to heel strike, they might start to toe strike when they start running, when their form breaks down, it might all change. And we're seeing basically they becoming less efficient as they get more fatigued. Sometimes, or I say fatigued there, sometimes it's not always to do, they might not actually be fatigued, but Potentially, as the speed goes up, their form starts to change. So if we can maintain the same form at a higher speed, they're not actually super tired. We might not see massive increases in heart rate. However, we're seeing form breakdown, which makes them slower, which makes them unable to kick, which makes their overall time not as good as it should be. We also could, another area, so we've got pacing, we've got form breakdown under physiological, One thing that we should really have a look at as well is equipment setup. So let's start in running. Perhaps when we run for a prolonged distance or maybe we can see at a certain point that a certain shoe is not really applicable for the distance that we're running. And this is slightly vague, but it's actually true. And a, a fair example of this would be the fastest runners in the world use... Really lightweight shoes. I just saw a brand the other week that brought out a shoe that's, I'm not even going to mention them, but it's good for one marathon. It's terrible, terrible for the environment. So how's the equipment set up and how does the equipment influence what's going on? I see so many people riding bikes with the absolute worst bike setup ever and they can sustain it for a small amount of time first 30 to 40% normally of a ride they don't have too many niggles but then as a the ride goes on they're starting to get cramp in places that they shouldn't get cramp and that these are all super small things the seat post could be up or down a couple of inches Their handlebars could be up or down a couple of inches, not even inches, millimeters, sorry. Their handlebars could be forward or backwards a couple of millimeters. Their position on the saddle could be out a couple of millimeters. All of these things will will cause physiological issues and will start to affect us probably later in our event, pursuit, whatever you want to call it. Another physiological issue that... I think people are aware of, but I don't think that people test under strict conditions. We see a lot of people say, yeah, I just run out of fuel today. Well, what is optimal fuel for a session? And this might get a little bit geeky. It's the same in equipment setup is also applicable, obviously, in, in the gym, in CrossFit. So have a think about how how all your equipment is set up basically and how that can link to physiological issues. Fueling goes across the board as well though. A lot of people will probably not know what optimal fueling is for a certain session and it is very hard to be honest to create optimal without perhaps impacting a lot of other things. The fuel that you have prior to a workout in the morning will definitely have an impact on that workout. However, the fuel that you had the night before, what time you had it, so what food you had, it's not just fuel, fuel is food, food food is fuel, but what you had for dinner the night before will have an impact, what you had for lunch the day before will have an impact, and of course, especially in hotter climates like we're in here in Dubai, the amount Of water that you had the day before or even a couple of days before. If your hydration levels have been poor in the days before and you're going out and you're doing something that's very hot, then we can definitely expect some physiological issues to be happening there. If you really want to know, you need to create a hell of a lot lot of consistency over time when it comes to fueling. This is a lot of There is a lot of science, but there is also a lot of personal trial and error. For some people, eating certain foods, a lot of, for example, carbohydrate in the evening might affect sleep, whilst others are very fine to have a lot of carbohydrate a few hours before they go to bed, and therefore they can fuel their training session very well the next day. It is really super personal. It needs a little bit of guidance, and it needs quite a lot of trial and error. But as we get to the latter parts of workouts, running races, cycling races, whatever it is, we can see breakdown and a certain weakness in the person solely related to food. The final issue on sort of physiological issues that we really should be looking at is recovery and readiness to train. This is... This is actually quite a a big topic and becoming an increasingly big topic as we see the amount of wearable fitness trackers, recovery devices, whatever you want to call them out there. And sometimes, actually, (laughs) to be straight up, and those of you who listen to the show for a while will know that most of them I'm not super happy with, them telling you what you feel. I think the best form is actually asking yourself how you feel and then when you wake up doing a resting heart rate and heart rate variability because that's, that, they're just the numbers that your body are spitting out. There's no need to try and extrapolate that as your readiness to train. Yes... The guys that are making them will employ scientists to to argue the contrary. And they say that they're taking into consideration all of the data that you're feeding it, but they're not able to take, which is all your training and your constant heart rate monitoring, your sleep quality, but they're not able to take into consideration your life or work life stress as well, which would have a massive impact on your readiness to train. And by that, I mean, you don't need a fitness tracker to tell you, and it probably won't tell you if you've had three really heavy days at work, fitness trackers don't log how many hours you have at work and your stress levels at work. They will log changes in your heart rate and some of them will log changes in your body temperature, which could be related to the stress that you're under at work or maybe even in a relationship. But if you have three really heavy days at work, you might not be ready to do a workout that creates a whole load of stress. So if we're taking this back to the example and and the question that I got asked, if you're in a race, if it's a 5K race, you probably want to make sure that the week leading up to that race you do not have a whole load of stress because that stress will probably slow you down in the latter parts of it. So our readiness to train based on subjective feeling, based on heart rate, based on heart rate variability. And listen, if you like a fitness tracker, if it really works for you, if you find some good consistencies in it, if you feel it's making your training better, then crack on. Please do use it. Don't listen to my terrible advice. But I think most of the time I see a lot more stress around it. So physical or Issues, physiological issues that we see or could consider whilst identifying where a weakness is coming from is the pacing within the workout, how our form looks and where it might be breaking down, how we're set up, what sort of equipment we're using and if we're set up in the right way for success, how we fueled our body not only the morning of or five minutes before with a triple espresso, but maybe two or three days before and also related to hydration and also our readiness to train. How's our sleep been? How is our recovery? What training have we done leading up to it? And more importantly, how is our work and life stress being managed over the time? The flip side, there's a lot of checklists and this is actually interesting. This is why it's a podcast and It was a discussion and it was about a 20-minute discussion because that's where we were on the run. But the more I thought of it, the more moving parts there definitely are and the more things to consider, which some people might say is a little bit against our brand value of simplicity. However, I think in identifying pain points, it's quite interesting to look at many different areas. So yeah, that's contradictory still. But sometimes going through a checklist can be super helpful and going through a checklist and having someone almost verify it, not to see if you're bullshitting, but a lot of people will say, yeah, I slept really good last night. And then you ask your wife and she's like, mate, you didn't sleep at all. You went for a piss three or four times and you basically were sitting up in the bed, talking nonsense, sleep talking the whole night. So you probably didn't have very good sleep. So the flip side of it, or the second line of questioning and checkpoints is your psychological, your mental sort of checkpoints and mental issues. The first one kind of starts out a little bit, maybe cliched for a lot of people, but I think it's very important, which is purpose. So do you fully understand why you're doing the race that you're doing, the training session you're doing and what you're trying to achieve? For a lot of people, you can go through a lot of time Ice Americana. Ice long black, but you call it ice americano. That's what I've just had a sip off. Why am I actually doing this? You could, for some people, they don't need to know the reason for some people. They don't need to know the reason to a certain point, but for some people, there'll be an early point, which will hold them back. They will stop when it gets a little bit tough because they don't know the reason. I think we need to be responsible and This is what we talk about a lot in our coaching. I think as coaches, one of our jobs is to try and educate. As I was saying in podcast 842, when I was talking about our class program, we're trying to help people understand a little bit more how we do what we do and why we do what we do. So understanding a little bit your sort of purpose of being there that day, it doesn't have to be super deep. Don't worry. You don't have to have gone through a lot of self-reflection and self-discovery, although I think that's great too. But just really understanding what the purpose of that particular race is, what that particular workout is, and that particular training session is, will help you put your mind in a lot stronger place to keep pushing, perhaps when there's that last 100 meters or that last round of the workout, or it is a little bit tough. Some planning is super important as well. So have we pro- the question I asked is, have you programmed the mind to know what is coming? And for some people they're like, I don't want to know how bad it's going to be. And that's kind of all right. But sometimes, and everyone's a little bit different here. Most people that I ask would want to know, okay, how many sets of or reps or how many efforts are we going to do at a certain intensity? So then they can program their mind to do it. Some people will be happy not to know. But for the most part, if we plan a little bit, And we sort of tell the mind what we want from it and maybe identify that, yeah, when I get to the last 200 of this 1500, I'm probably going to be at pretty much my max heart rate. My legs are going to hurt a little bit. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to focus on my run form. I'm going to make sure my chest is up and back. And these are all great intentions. Sometimes it just goes to absolute shit. But at least you're telling your mind what cues to give it and what to say at that point. And there's a little bit of planning going on, which if you read my weekly The Inner Fight Way messages, I read something the other week, which I, I put in there. And the impact of just a little bit of planning on what we're going to do, whether it's a meeting, whether it's a workout, whether it's preparing the mind sees a massive impact on performance. So just a little bit of planning, what's going on? Did we program the mind? Did we tell it what we want it to do? Did we maybe make it aware of what it might be feeling? If it's all new, then that's okay. But if you do work with a coach, then maybe ask them, what am I supposed to be feeling or what maybe will start to go through my mind at a certain point? And as far as possible for most of the athletes I work with, I always try and tell them, this might be what you may be feeling here. When I feel that's necessary, sometimes I want to throw people into things so they can sort of learn for themselves and and get a feeling for themselves. So it's not always cued. But if you're trying to do some internal reflection on yourself and you're trying to find out where the blockage is, ask yourself: Did I did I plan that session out? Did I start to think about what? might happen at a certain point without getting too complicated? And did I tell my mind what might be going on? Ask yourself as well, what are you feeling about certain things? Like how did you feel when, and this is maybe a little bit more of a post-mortem rather than pre, how did it feel when you got to round four of the workout and you backed off the pace? Were you aware of it? Did you, did you know what was going on in your mind? So a little bit of emotional intelligence as well, a little bit of feeling. And what are, the next point is really, what, what are those thoughts that are, are coming into your mind? What were they at which stage of the workout? And this sounds really quite, it could be too many variables for some people. So please don't take everything and try and tick every single box. But some of these things are, are key checkpoints that I wouldn't ask all of these things to the same athlete at the same time but as we'd work through a process to try and remove a blockage, remove a pain point that they might have we might attack different areas so to speak. So are you getting positive thoughts in that last 200? Are you getting negative thoughts in that last 200? If so what are the negative thoughts and what impact do they have? Do you tell yourself that you feel tired and what impact does that have we also then it leads and this is where it does get a little bit complicated but I think it's a super interesting point is that maybe we have some mismatched messages is the body and the mind singing from the same song, song sheet and you might have trained your legs your legs and this goes back to the athletes that are trained exactly the same fueled exactly the same they have the potential to perform exactly the same, but they're unable to because their minds are not in tune with their legs. Whereas the athlete that wins, perhaps his mind or her mind is actually in tune with their with their legs. Sometimes it might be the other way around. Sometimes the mind might be willing, but the legs are just not willing at all. And that's why I think this is a clear split. split if these things are happening, either mentally or physically. Hopefully from, so then we've got, just to summarize the the mental sort of checkpoints, we've got, what's the purpose? Why am I doing what I'm doing? What's the plan that I have? Have I tried to program the mind? And how do I feel about, about this task at hand? Like, is it actually something I want to do? And that also links back to purpose. What thoughts are going through my mind at which stage of the race, the training session, or the workout? And then, ask myself, are my thoughts and my feelings and what I want from my body in tune with my mind? Is my body ready? Is my mind ready? Because to get high performance, we're pretty much going to need both of them singing off the same song sheet in sync, together in harmony, in flow, whatever, however you want to put it. So, if we don't go through some of that checkpoint, then it would be difficult to understand. And that, that's why I, when I was having the conversation with with this lady, is she said maybe it's some strength. And I was like, Well, maybe. Because that could be sort of in the form breakdown. Is am I strong enough? Is my core not working? But then maybe it could be the young athlete doesn't actually understand. And the young athlete expends a lot of energy in the early parts or the young athlete sees something and gets a little bit distracted and then the mind and the body is not actually connected. So there are a number of different things and we can train this in in different ways as well. So we can put these different things to the test by some simple reflection, either with athletes, We, if you're a coach that you work with, or if you're an individual that these things are resonating with a bit of reflection, preferably writing a few things down after a workout after a training session you should be able to understand a little bit more what's going on it's useful to try and put some metrics in place as well and most things can actually have metrics and a lot of people say well feelings don't really have metrics and sometimes they do sometimes they don't feeling good is a metric feeling not very good is a metric feeling fucking terrible. That's a metric as well. Yes, they're very subjective and they could have other influences. But if we can attach some metrics to things, then we actually see potentially a lot of chance, a lot of potential for performance to increase because we can sort of manage these metrics and then it comes back to when we can manage things measure things, and when we can measure things, we can create accountability, we can create a little bit more focus, that might be what people are missing, so the purpose part of their journey might be missing, they don't really understand the link between, it could be a certain exercise, it could be a strength exercise that we haven't really understood, Increase the strength on a single leg deadlift and we will increase your 3k time, for example. If we can create that metric and show that as your single leg deadlift in this example increases, then your 3k time decreases, then we start to create this really nice connection. Accountability measurement actually brings, I believe, a whole load of focus because it brings that mindset piece that says, I have a purpose. I know in this training session that I want to achieve this. So I get a little bit of focus. I know my numbers from last week. I know what I want to achieve this week. And it might not always be a progression. Sometimes we're in a maintenance phase of of certain training. Sometimes we're in strength and we just want to maintain a certain level of strength because of a number of different reasons. But So long as we understand and we have a little bit of focus on what we want to achieve in each session, then there's a pretty good chance that some of these pain points are navigated. And when we have this focus, generally, so we've got metrics, we've got management, we've got focus, we've got accountability. And when we get that, we generally will see a little bit more effort applied to whether it's running, doing a CrossFit workout, it doesn't really matter what it is. And when we see increase in performance, well, this is kind of a little bit chicken and the egg sometimes because sometimes when we see an increase in purpose, we could have an increase in fun and then we would have an increase in performance. Sometimes when we get an increase in performance from taking care of these things, we would then get an increase in enjoyment and an increase in fun. So for some people, if you make it more fun, their performance will go up. Some people, if you make their performance better, the amount that they enjoy it will go up as well. One of the biggest questions, and I skipped a little bit before I went off, I actually went off on a tangent there on metrics, is a lot of people will ask, how do we add metrics to things that are not workout times? What I want to really share here is a simple, I don't know, you could go on it on a a traffic light system. You could go on it on a one, two, three. I find generally a, a score out of 10 is a little bit too much of a gray area. So if you went off a traffic light system, red would be not good, bad, stop, not going to perform. Amber would be sort of okay-ish and green, full gas, ready to go. Same with a one, two, three, and you could put the one, two, three, any which way around. How do I feel this morning? If you're not using a wearable Fitness activity tracker that tells you bullshit information when you wake up. You could just go of a one, two, three, one. I feel absolutely amazing. I'm supercharged to get up this morning. I'm excited to go to work out. I'm excited to go to work. I'm excited to do so many things. That would be a one, two. Yeah, I'm happy to get up. Everything's good. It's not I don't feel on top of the world, but I'm I'm definitely sort of keen to to go after it. And three is like literally I want to hit the snooze button and that would be a red light as well. Or you could do them the other way around. So you can create your own sort of metrics. And I've done this with a lot of people just on a on a daily basis. And you track it over over time. You track it leading into the events as well. So if you did have if we go back to the top of the show and 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 it's an athlete racing across a certain distance then you know we would do some quite potentially quite subjective tracking, but really understand if someone has given themselves a, a number one, so absolutely on top of the world, okay, why? what's really going on? And normally you can peel it back a little bit, and why do you think you're feeling so good? Why have you done a backflip out of bed this morning? For a lot of people, they'd be like, well, I got to bed early last night. Great, so that's good. So we understand that sleep makes you get out of bed doing backflips. That's good. Anything else? Maybe they ate really well. Maybe it's been a low stress week at work. So we'd create this data of how certain things are that we're doing are creating good scores. And then we try and play that out as we lead into an event, or you can actually just test it on a daily basis, but it's even better when it's leading into a race or or an event to try and track whether whether you actually get those subjective markers better. But there is definitely, even when there's not time, speed, rounds for time, weight, pulses involved, we can add a a really quite simple subjective metric that so long as you can answer why you feel a certain way, then you can actually get some pretty good consistency around it as well. So in summary... You will find weaknesses in your performance at certain times. Some of those weaknesses, if not dealt with in a positive and reflective way, can actually be quite demotivating and quite crippling. Weaknesses are essentially pain points, things that bring us down a little bit, things that halt our performance and hold us back. In this show, we've broken them down into two different segments one of them being mental weaknesses and one of them being physical weaknesses or blockages or pain points. Use the phrase that actually resonates more with you and sits better with you and motivates rather than demotivates you as well. So is your problem coming from a physical problem? Is there something going on with you physically when you're doing the event based on a number of things that we spoke about there as well? Or is it a mental blockage? Is there something not quite right in the mindset? Create those checklists, go through them in as much detail as you can. At times, definitely at the start, it could be quite overwhelming as there are a number of variables. And this is why it's always good to have someone to bounce those variables off. Be that a coach, it needs to be a good friend who's not going to listen to your bullshit. That one day you're up because of this and the next day you're down and it all contradicts each other. You need someone who's probably a little bit more, shall we say, Switzerland on the whole thing. And over time, you'll create some really good data points. You can set up, for want of a better explanation, demonstration workouts or test workouts, test runs to see if the data points you're collecting are correct and if they are actually making a big difference. Where possible, add some metrics to things where there's no number related to time, distance, weight. Add something that's a little bit more subjective, but try and base it on a scoring system that you understand and that's consistent and fair over time, be it a 1-2-3, three, a 3-2-1 three, or a traffic light system. If you are finding that you're breaking down at a similar point in your running in your cycling, in your life, in your CrossFit, no matter where it is. And I'm pretty confident that something in the last 35 to 40 minutes, you'll be able to take, measure, manage, create some focus around and all being well, increase your performance. If you've got some questions, give me a shout. Winning at innerfight.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.